It's philosophy talk. In most countries in the world now, certainly in all major cultural zones in the world, people prefer to live in a democratic political system where they can choose their leaders, replace their leaders in regular, free, fair, and meaningful elections. John Locke said that the right to govern ourselves is basic and self-evident. But is democracy an inherently good thing? Or is democracy, as Plato thought, one of the worst possible forms of government? Not all power is in the hands of elected officials. Our guest is Larry Diamond, author of The Spirit of Democracy, The Struggle to Build Free Societies Throughout the World. I think our democracy has been more responsive than we sometimes give it credit for. Recorded live at the Marsh Theater in San Francisco. Is democracy a universal value? Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Mars Theater, San Francisco's breeding ground for new performance. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. <laughs> Our topic today is democracy, a universal value. Democracy, that is, a system of government by the whole population of, or at least all the eligible members of, a state, typically through elected representatives. Now that dictionary definition leaves a lot of room for variation. In a direct democracy, for example, the people collectively, directly decide political matters. In a representative democracy, the people elect representatives to make the political decisions. And exactly who is an eligible member? Only those over 18? Over 21, only men, only property owners. In Athens, the world's first so-called democracy, women and slaves, that is, most of the population, were actually completely excluded. You could say the same thing about the United States at the beginning. It took the Civil War, the 19th Amendment, the Civil Rights Legislation of the 60s, along with the 24th and 26th Amendments, to really give us something approximating universal adult suffrage. So democracy can take many forms, but our question isn't about this or that form of democracy, but is democracy itself an inherently good thing? Well, Ken, democracy may have its flaws. And there may be better and worse ways to organize a democracy. But don't we have to agree with that great philosopher and statesman Winston Churchill when he said, quote, democracy is the worst form of government except all those other forms that have been tried from time to time? Well, John, Plato was a much better philosopher and he actually disagrees. He thought democracy was actually the worst possible form of government. Ken, uh, Plato favored an aristocracy run by philosopher kings. Try to get that idea to fly in the modern world. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, but Plato's not alone. There were many more critics, including another great philosopher, Thomas Hobbes. He had a very negative view of democracy. Well, democracy has also had its sophisticated philosophical defenders. John Locke, for example, took the right of self-government to be basic and self-evident. And Locke's philosophical ideas heavily influenced our founding fathers, no doubt about it, at least their rhetoric anyway. And, and aside from the strictly philosophical reasons, there are kind of empirical and instrumental reasons for preferring democracy to other forms of government. Democracies are less likely to go to war more likely to make decisions that their citizens accept as legitimate, 
and more likely to command uncoerced loyalty and respect from their citizens. Uh, yeah, but Plato and Hobbes and other anti-democrats actually doubt something you, you implied. They doubt that democracies actually make better political decisions. The problem is <laughs> that democracy puts a premium on the wrong skills, the skills needed to win office rather than the skills needed to govern. Well, you may have a point there. The, the skills needed to win office today include being able to raise vast amounts of money, design clever campaign commercials, and give empty speeches that stir much emotion and little thought. So is there any reason really to think that these skills are correlated with the ability to govern wisely? Probably not. Still, <laughs> whatever case Plato and Hobbes and other anti-democratic philosophers might make, there is today a clear consensus in America and the West that democracy is a good thing. But is democracy a universal value? Or does our love of democracy stem from our culture and ideals that other cultures may not share? Well, there, there is a, a school of thought that says values inherent in certain Asian and Muslim cultures make them unsuited for democracy, or at least uh, any kind of democracy that's familiar to the West. And yet, when given the opportunity, people in those cultures push for democracy, from Tiananmen Square to the Arab Spring. So do human beings, deep down, when given a real choice, actually always prefer democracy? And are there sound philosophical reasons why they should prefer democracy? We're going to put those questions and more to our guest, Larry Diamond. He's the author of The Spirit of Democracy, The Struggle to Build Free Societies Throughout the World. And we'll want our live audience here at the Mars to join in the conversation, too. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch talks to a Chinese journalist about the differences between the media in democratic and non-democratic societies. She files this report. How does American democracy look to someone from a communist country? Major Tian is a Chinese journalist attending graduate school at UC Berkeley. He's reported in the United States as well as for foreign bureaus in China. Tian grew up on a steady diet of Chinese media. He says he was always critical of the information he was getting on TV. They did a story on some pilot in the Air Force, and they show their training with a video from the American movie, I think it's Top Gun. That's right. China's state broadcaster, CCTV, tried to pass off a scene from the movie Top Gun as a real-life military drill. So when Tian came to California, he figured American media would be the exact opposite. And he thought he knew what to expect. Before I came, I definitely heard that there are a lot of protests in the Bay Area. It's one of the most liberal places in the uh, United States. But I still was quite amazed by how many protests there are actually. Oh, yes. The Bay Area is known for its protests. Protests against foreclosures, budget cuts, wealth disparity, protests against affirmative action, even protests against dog parks. If there's an issue, there's a protest. I remember the first um, like city meetings I went to is the planning commission meeting, and a resident was complaining about like an AT&T uh, pole like in front of his house. So he said, I was like, that one's so ugly. It's just right out there in front of my window. When I was watching TV, I can see it right there that you have to do something. Tian watched in surprise as the commission discussed the pole issue for more than 30 minutes, finally deciding that AT&T should plant a native tree near the pole to block the neighbor's view. Well, that looks really democratic to me at that point, but 
I later found out um, there are actually more, much more important gen, uh, items on the agenda. Like they're about you know jobs, about buildings, about uh, construction that can bring thousands of jobs and things. Tian realized that while democracy seems pretty sexy, it can also be a drawn-out, inefficient process. Then there's the way we treat our elected officials. Tian was covering one Oakland City Council meeting where things got a little heated. Residents, upset about the massive budget deficit and possible cuts to programs, were screaming at the council president, Larry Reed. We would like to um, get call this meeting to order. Reed just, he didn't yell, but he like fought back and said, I'm not ashamed of this council, please show respect, and we're doing our job, it's hard, blah, blah, blah. There's this back and forth. Hello, can you hear me now? Tian says, in China, that would never happen. Another thing he's learned as a Chinese journalist in America, Western media can be biased too. He was particularly troubled by the differences in coverage when it came to the Beijing Olympics and the protests in Tibet. I think people like me are lost in the middle, that we don't know actually what happened. Um, they're basically like two extremes that we don't know who to trust, and we don't really want to trust either side of it. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.